on the subject church, why we go. And I talked about the importance and what the church is. And, and I was talking about that to my grandsons. And my grandson Ryan said, Bops, you ought to do the sequel next week. And I thought, wow. So that's what we're, we're doing today, the church, why go, the sequel, which means a continued story that develops the theme of an earlier one. So that's what I want to do today. And my heart and my intention today is just to encourage you, to inspire you, to be everything that you can be. And what is the church? Sometimes that's confused, but I, I want to bring just some understanding to that. The word church is a Greek word, ekklesia. It means an assembly. It means a congregation. And I love this, this phrase. It means the called out ones. And many times when people hear that, they go, called out from what? In 1 Peter 2, 9, 10, and 11, he says, you are, when you're called out, when you're saved, when you give your life to Jesus, this is who you are. You're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. And then he says, you're God's possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. I don't know about anybody here, but when God laid his hand on my life, I was in a pit of darkness, and he called me out of that darkness into his wonderful light. And then he goes on to say this. He says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God because you've been called out. Because your life has been changed. You've been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. He said, you were once not a people, but now you're the people of God. And then I love this. You once, you had not received mercy. That means when people say, well, you know, this God thing, I, I don't know. I'm not worried about separation when I die. You know, everybody's going to die. I don't care about heaven, hell. If I go to hell, I'll just go hang out with my friends. Let me tell you, you will have no friends in hell. There will be no parties. If you're separated from God, there will be none of that. You, the Bible says, when you give your life to Christ, you receive mercy. That means you do not get what you deserve. Did you hear what I just said? Dorothy, you will not get what you deserve for raising your hands about being a Dolphins fan because you have received mercy. I just had to throw that in there. And the church is not a building, but yet we need the buildings. And sometimes we get those two confused. We are the church. When Pastor Ryan gets up and talks about small groups, when those small groups meet, whether they're in the barn whether they're in the Generation Center, in the Elba, wherever they are, across the, on the other side of town at St. Anthony's, when two or more are gathered together in his name, there he is in the midst of them. He is with them. He is there. And, and God, he looks for that. He is wanting you and I to have that ecclesia, that joining, that connection, because great things take place in that. Last week I talked about we encounter the presence of God, the power of God, and the people of God in the house. And God tells Moses in Exodus 25a, he said, have them make a sanctuary for me 
and I will dwell with them because he wanted a place to be on earth, to meet with his people. And when we come in to the house of God together and we see one another, he is here with us. Matthew 18, 20 says that when two or three are gathered together in his name, there he is right in the midst of us. I don't care who you are today, what you came in with, but I know there's more than two or three who love Jesus that are in this house. And because we are together in this place today, he is here in the midst of us. And when he is in the house, let me tell you something, his power, his manifest presence, it changes your life. It, it brings hope to you if you're hopeless. It brings joy to you if you feel depressed or down. It will touch your body and heal you if you are sick in your body. Jesus is here in the midst of us to do what we can't do apart from him. And we need him. Amen. Come on, let's, let's praise him because of that. And I love this story in Genesis chapter 28. Just a few verses I want to read, and I want to close with these three thoughts. That Jacob, in verse 10, he went out from Beersheba and went towards Haran. And there's so many illustrations in this one I'm going to read to you, but I'm going to focus on one. He came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. And behold, a ladder was set up in, on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it. And he said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad in the west and the east to the north and the south. And in you, listen to this, moms and dads, listen to this. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, and I'll bring you back to this land, and I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. And Jacob awoke from his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid, and he said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God and the gate of heaven. This is, that's such an important statement. And Jacob rose early in the morning. He took the stone, and he put it in, what he put at his head, and he set up a pillar and poured oil on top of it, and he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of it, the city, was Luz previously. And Jacob made a vow. He said, if God will be with me and keep me in this way, that I am going and, I will, and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I may come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set... <coughs> as a pillar shall be God's house. And all that you give me, all that you give me, not that I can get it on my own, all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. This, I really believe, is the beginning, the birth of the house of God. And not only that, the Bible calls it, Jacob says, it was a gateway to heaven. He saw a ladder angels ascending and descending. And the gate is always referred to as a point of access. A gate to heaven is where heaven has the ability to access earth. 
where God's presence and power comes to be established among us. And, and when we think about the house of God and the gateway of heaven, and when we look at this, what can we learn from Jacob's experience? Number one, that God connects us in the church. Jacob makes a connection with God and describes it in verse 12. The Bible says he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on earth, and its top reached to heaven. He had this dream. But where the experience for him takes place is not in just what he saw. It what happen, it's what happens in him. In verse 16, Jacob woke up and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I didn't even know it. I wasn't even aware of it. I, I shared last week the story about when I gave my heart to the Lord. I got the best daughter-in-laws in the world. When I gave my heart to Jesus, when I first began to go to church. I was in church. I used to sleep so hard in church. <clears throat> Don't none of you do it. I'm coming out there. I used to fall asleep so hard in church that my wife would shake me at the end of service and say, honey, we got to go. And I said, no, just leave me here. I'm so comfortable. I was in the house of God, <clears throat> but I didn't even know that he was there. And the Jacob said, I didn't know that God was in that place. And when we come into his house and we realize that he's here, we have an encounter with the manifest presence of God. We connect with him. Because church is not about exhibiting God. We just sit back and just wonder, okay, what's he going to say? What are they going to do? Wonder what song they're going to sing today. But it's an encounter that you and I have with a living God that he wants to touch you and I with his presence and change who we are, mold us into who he is created to be. And the Holy Spirit begins to impact our lives in a way and in a dimension that nothing else could or no one else could either. No counselor can do it. No doctor can do it. No one can do it like the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that is working in the house of God. Come on, say amen to that. And it's for the saved or the unsaved because the Bible says in James chapter 4 and verse 8, come near to God and he will come near to you. I've had people say this for years to me. I just feel like God is so far away from me. Let me tell you something. He is not far away. You draw near to him. He draws near to you. And once you connect with him, then you will hear him speak to you. He will speak to you in the house of God. God told Moses about building the tabernacle in Exodus 25, 22. He says, and there I'll meet with you, and I will speak to you. Today, God is speaking to your life. Maybe you've already heard that voice. Maybe you say, well, I don't know, you know what it is. Let me tell you something. If it doesn't line up with God's word, it's not from him. But he will speak to you. How does he speak? He'll speak in the dimension of correction to your life and mine. Whether it's in worship, it could be right during when someone's receiving the offering, it could be right now in the Word, it could be at the end of the service, right in that last few moments as we're closing and we're praying and maybe singing a final song. God will speak to you, correction. He will tell you, don't go here, don't go there, don't do this, don't do that. You need to pull away from that. You need to change 
the attitude that you've been carrying in your life. He'll speak direction to you. Should I buy this? Should I marry this person? Should I even have this relationship with this individual? I feel like I should camp on that just for a moment right there. You know your destiny is hinged to the people that are around you. What you become and where you will go in life is hinged on those that you are around constantly. If you're around the right people, you will head in the right direction. If you think hanging around with the wrong people may be cool and fun, it will draw you into a hole that you'll have to crawl a long time to get back out of. And the Spirit of the Lord will give you direction in that. Who I should marry, where I should go, should I start this business, am I called to go on this mission trip? He'll give you that direction and he'll also... The Spirit of God will give you inspiration to help you to keep on going. Maybe you face the challenge. Maybe you face the difficulty and you don't think, I can't go on any further. I don't know what to do. This is breaking my heart. And God will come alongside of you and say, you can do this. You got this. Rise up. Go in the strength of your God. You will overcome this obstacle. He will do that in the house of God. When we connect with him, we will hear from him. And we will also, number three, my final point, we will make commitments to the Lord in the house of God. The Bible says in verse 20 that Jacob made a vow. A vow is an agreement, a pledge to do something in the future. Because when we connect, when we hear, it brings us to a place of a commitment. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 6 and verse 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I tell you to do? And I know, you know, commitment scares many people. I don't know if it scares as many church people now as it used to, but there was a season where, I mean, there was this teaching going around, you know, just rest and just relax and just you know, take it easy and everything is, you know, case or us or I'll let's hold hands and sing kumbaya. Everything is going to be all right. Let me tell you something. When your children are facing the enemy, when enemy comes into your home, when the enemy, your wife or your husband comes home and says, I'm done, I'm through, or your kids come home and tell you they're addicted, you are not going to sit in a chair and relax. You are going to stand up in the power of God and you're going to say, not in my house. You will commit to the power of God working in your life. And I've been, we've all been afraid of that. I was afraid. You know, it was, we were going to get married, my wife and I. Our wedding date was set, December 10th, 1977. Whew, seems like yesterday. And she's excited. I'm, I'm like, okay, you know, I've never been married before. I don't know what this is going to be like. I came from an abusive home broken, homeless at 17 years old. Now I'm 21 and I'm going to, get, I'm, I'm going to be married. I'm going to be committed to this, this one woman the rest of my life. I'm thinking, whoa. And as the days are coming, I'm nervous. And, and all of a sudden on December 8th and 9th, there is, this, there is a blizzard. Not a snowstorm, a blizzard. And everything is closed. And everybody, you know, Patty's crying her mom and dad are crying, and I'm over in the corner thinking, I'm a new Christian. Maybe God's speaking to me here. I don't know. <clears throat> and then I had a, you know, a couple old friends saying, 
looks like this God of yours is giving you a way out. I had this great friend, a Christian man, loved God, really was speaking into my life at that time. He said, that's not going to change anything. That's only going to make the commitment that you have to her stronger as the days go on. They had to get on the phone, call everybody that was invited to the wedding, out-of-town guests, you know, they canceled their trip, they couldn't come, call the place where the reception was, can you put the, you know, can you do something with the food? I don't have any idea what they did with that. But six days later, we became husband and wife. And this December, it'll be 45 years together. Some of you, you may be afraid of commitment. Maybe you've had a delayed result. Maybe you didn't see something that you'd hoped for. You didn't see it come to pass. Can I tell you, delay is not denial. Stay with God and watch him bring it to pass. And look at what happens when Jacob connects and he hears and he makes a vow. Look at what he does. I'm, I'm, I'm closing on this. He says in verse 22, and the stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all, look at that word, that you give me. I want to talk to every man, every woman. I don't care how successful you are. And you might want to pat yourself on the back and say, look at what I've done. Let me tell you something. I don't care. Saved, unsaved, you have nothing outside of what God has given to you. The Bible says in Deuteronomy that it's God that gives you and I the power to create wealth, not in yourself. And the, let, me t let me just say, I'm going to help somebody right now. The moment that you begin to take credit for it, you will see it slowly slip away. Maybe not the finances. Maybe it'll happen in your family, in your relationships. You need God. You need to know that everything that you have, God gave it to you. And look what he ends it with. He says, everything that you give to me, I will give a tenth back to you. That's, the word, that's where the word tithe comes from. And the Bible says, and Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, that where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. My wife came into my office yesterday. She had a look on her face I haven't seen in a long time. She goes, I went shopping. And I said to her, I go, you got that. You got that look on your, sassy look on your face. And she starts telling me what she got and how excited she was and everything. But let me tell you something. When you, when something is important to you, your treasure will be there. Your heart will always follow your treasure. If you want your heart to be a part of the things of God, and you want your heart to follow after, hard after the things of God, your treasure will be a part of that. Look what he says, the Bible says in Malachi 3 and verse 10. He said, "Try." God says, try me now in this. This is what Jacob did. This is what connects us to the house of God. This is a part of the commitment. We connect, we hear, we commit. He said, God says, try me now says the Lord, if I will not open up the windows, that Hebrew word windows is arubah. It means the window of heaven. Another place where it was used was when Noah, during the flood, the Bible says the window of heaven was open and flooded the earth. And here God says, try me now if I will not open for you the windows, windows of heaven and pour out 
for you such a blessing, you won't even have room enough to hold it all. And then I love what he says. Listen to this. Moms and dads, husbands and wives, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. You don't have to yell at the devil. You don't have to do that. God says, I'll do that for you so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. I'm so grateful to see all these babies up here today. And when you connect and commit to God, that is what he will not allow to happen. He will not allow the enemy to come and destroy your fruit in your lives and in your family. I'm so grateful for that. Come on, aren't you today? When you're in church, you connect, you hear, and you commit. And when you do, you receive and see the blessings of heaven just come and overtake you. Close your eyes, bow your head with me, if you would, today. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, you need to do that today. You need to say, Jesus, come into my heart and my life. Maybe you're watching online. Ask him, say, Lord, forgive me. Of all of my sins, I ask you to be my Savior and my Lord. Lord, I pray for each one that is in your house today, those that are even watching online, wherever they are today, that your hand would be upon them. And Lord, as we move into this direction that you are calling us to, that you will lead us and you will guide us. And God, we will see the tangible blessing that you have for our lives. And we ask it today in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Come on, do you love Jesus today? Well, go in his grace today. Love one another. If you see one of these families with the babies, just, just high five them. Tell them it's great to see him. And God says, I love you. God bless you. Go with him today. He will go with you. I love you.